Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So it's uh, all for play for still. I think so. Do you want to bet against us? Good evening, everybody, and welcome back to For the Love of Pomegranate podcast, second podcast in a day. Um, if you missed it earlier on, we were with the wonderful Andy Dale from the Just 14 uh, movie. Uh, check that out as well. It was a lovely 25-minute or so conversation about the project they have going on there and a bit of a deviation from what we normally do. But I am back again today with a <clears throat> some transfer talk, and this is a real spurious kind of rumor that kind of came out from Dominic King. It could be true. To me, it caught me... By surprise, specifically that we had a bid uh, accepted, what well, we had to have it accepted for Nico Williams because it, was, <clears throat> it met his, his transfer valuation and that he turned us down because he wanted to stay in Bilbao, which we'll talk about in a moment. The, just the, the idiosyncrasies that surround the likes of Bilbao and why Bilbao uh, and people from the Basque country, um, wh- why, why he might have turned us down. Um, and, and why the project in Bilbao means so much to the people in the Basque country. And then straight in the hot in the heels from that, uh, it was mentioned that our um, gaze may have turned to Luis Henrique from um, Betis. Now, do I think either of these happened? Do I think either of these um, are likely to happen? I couldn't tell you. But big thing for me here is that with the links to these two guys and it, <clears throat> extra spurious link um, to, uh, to other wingers um, over the course of the day today. There was a off-the-wall kind of link to Teche, um, the Brazilian winger from uh, at, on loan at Leon from Jacques Donetsk. Um, there was a link at him today as well. But what I'm trying to do is, or what the wingers we've been linked to, essentially what I'm trying to say here is we've been linked to wingers that uh, all have one major or two major aspects i think to their game that i want to discuss now there could be an app it could be nothing in any of these links it could be all paper talk and if it is well then they're all picking the exact same type of player so fair play to them or they're picking similar types of players should i say so fair play to them but i've often said and you've often heard me say it is that you know trying to figure out who and the types of players and the structure and the style of player that Unai Emery might want is something I wanted to do here in January. Um, with Steven Gerrard, it was very difficult because he liked to, he seemed to like 
uh, more names over over um, ability in a lot of ways. You know, a lot of the players we were linked to um, were specifically built for the for the British game. And for those of you listening on the audio podcast, I did the quotation marks there, um, and some of them didn't work out as we know, um, but some did. And the chances he took specifically on Bubakar Kamara has worked out. And I think I think Unai Emery is is, is looking to bring in a small bit more flair, small bit more pace, and uh, people who've got a bit of a defensive nose about them. And let me talk about two of those uh, just for a short period of time here now in, in Nico Williams and uh, Enrique. Uh, Enrique as well. So let me just have a little look at some of your comments. John D, straight in with fake news. Could very well be, but let's just talk about it, about these from the point of view of um, if there was any semblance of truth in these guys, what type of player would mean that the Unai Emery was looking for? Um, Aston Villa armchair fan says, what about Inaki Williams instead? Man's never injured and runs forever. Would shore up the middle and add some steel in our midfield. Um, the one thing I think about Inaki Williams is that uh, I don't think there's too many more. Well, I'm not going to say I don't think there's too many more years in him, but he opted to play for Ghana because uh, he got his opportunity to go to the World Cup. But whatever about Nico Williams leaving um, Bilbao um, and Aki Williams, I think, I, I, I just don't know. I, I think his time might may have passed for the Premier League. Um, and I think that he's he's uh, probably peaked at his powers at the moment. Um, Martin Whitby says he really wants Guendouzi to come true. Well, let's see, I think. Um, but Dan Bardell and, um, and, and Fabrizio Romano... Um, both think well. I don't know. Why I mentioned that. Dan said it on 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 Sky Sports News that uh, that he would be surprised if we didn't bid for him. That's not to say that we would get him because look, as we know, it's hard to do business in January and with the money that's been touted for him out there, it is uh, it's quite crazy at the moment. But um, I think really Fabrizio Romano seems to be like a dog with a bone with regards to this. And as you know, we've had Fabrizio on the podcast here before, um, and. Uh, he seemed to come out today and say that Villa are going to push really, really hard for Guendouzi, going to push really hard for him. So let's see if that, that if that does come true. Um, where else are we? Where else are we? Um, bum, 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 bum. I know it's Guendouzi. Blah, 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 blah. Um, yeah, okay. So this is one here from Bruce. Bruce says, amazing that Bilbao managed to remain competitive would have really strict transfer policy. So let's get into Nico Williams firstly. And and uh, I, a lot of people took took away from from the fact not not le- not least the the price that was quoted at fifty four million or forty five million. Sorry, forty five million was quoted for Nico Williams today, and apparently we met that valuation. But Nico Williams decided he wanted to stay at Bilbao. There is such an emotional attachment from Basque players towards Bilbao, and to a lesser degree, Sassi that uh, in Spain. It's almost like when you're from those regions, that it's almost like a rite of passage for you that you should go and play for those teams. And it's it's um, it's a very colloquial, it's a very tribal, it's very, uh, to be honest with you, it has to be incredibly admired how both of those clubs can say so competitive. Sociedad to a lesser degree, but 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 Bilbao have really got a, a strict transfer policy. I think they've I think they've loosened it in, in in current years. But um, Bilbao essentially you had to have some tie to the Basque region. There was that was the 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 policy. You had to have some tie to the Basque region to play for Bilbao. Now, as we know, or as you may or may not know, the Basque region in Spain ain't that big, you know. So they were really kind of tightening down their pool. Um, 
so you know like that there's the the players that they've brought through the kind of the the hotbed of 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 talent that they've brought through um through through their ranks is something to be admired and i think you know for somebody like nico williams to leave the club mid season might be seen as a potential like specifically since he's gotten his spain cap uh, while while playing for bilbao um i think it might be seen as kind of a uh, I, I don't know, a, a, not a traitorous act, but a kind of a, you know, he wants to give them what he can give them so that they can have time to recoup and to rebuild again. And fair play to Bilbao, they've been really good at doing that. Um, so that might be one of the reasons I would imagine why Nico Williams would like to stay, because I can't imagine that you're going to, uh, going to agree a £45 million uh, pound or euro transfer fee and then not offer him the sun, moon and stars in a contract to come. So, you know, emotional ties to clubs are real. And uh, specifically in the January transfer window, I would bet money that that, was, that, that is some reasons why, why clubs get turned down. You know, I don't want to leave this project mid-season. Uh, I feel I owe it to my... Um, I feel I owe it to my to my employer, to my current club, the club that brought me through, not to leave in January, but might be tempted again in the summer. Uh, then again, the problem in the summer is that the sharks begin to circle in the summer when teams have more time to put bids together and so on. But um, there could be something in that. Like I'll be honest with you, I was blown away by the forty-five million um, quotation. I just I find it. <laughs> I find it difficult to believe we would bid 45 million for him and something approaching 35 or 40 for Guendouzi and then go in and end up spending 100 million in January. It could absolutely happen. It, it could, but that would mean that we would have to more or less break our transfer record twice in January. And maybe we will do it, but I, I, I'm, I need time to process those numbers when it comes to Aston Villa and transfer fees. That's not me saying that we wouldn't spend it or that we're tight or that we're, we don't have the cash to do it. It's just when I see those numbers, you know, it's, that's just me. My eyes kind of flutter a small bit and I go, Whoa, that's a lot of money. And that brings me on to Luis Enrique as well, because Luis Enrique was only, was only, um, he was only signed in the summer. And there was a valuation or a quotation or some sort of valuation put out there that Betis would sell him for his release fee of 60 million euros. And once again, we're getting up into big money there for January and specifically for him, for one player that's only played six months in, in, in Europe. And a player that I have to admit looked like he from a from an attacking point of view looks like he's he's trying to get the structure of his game down right for his defensive side of things, which we look at in a moment. These two guys can defend. Um but I think for Luis, Luis and Henrique is it's more of he, he's he's trying to settle into the European game first before he shows his attacking prowess. Now I did watch I did I had time in my hands today and I watched some of his games for Fluminense um, last season in the Belgian league or sorry in the Belgian in the Brazilian league and uh, you can see he's a hell of a lot more progressive with the ball. He's a much better attacker. But what he seems to be doing since he's moved to Betis is playing the correct ball. He's obviously got a wily old manager in Pellegrini there um, that's that's helping him um, to adjust to the uh, to adjust to the league and to the to European football. But uh, yeah, it's something that will uh, th that we'll take a look at here now in a moment. Uh, Matthew, thank you so much again, Matthew. Hannah, I, I, Matt, thanks a million. I really appreciate that. It's thank you. I genuinely, from the bottom of my heart, sound for that. Um, where are we? Let's take a look. I'll come back to your comments in a moment if you don't mind, guys. Let's just take a small look at. Uh, just making. Ah, oh, of course, I had to put up the wrong slides. 
removed from studio. What's with me? I need a, I need a producer. Does anybody want to come and be my producer? Because uh, <laughs> my spelling is chronic <laughs> at the minute. Um, so let me just rectify that. Or hopefully I rectify that. Um, da -da 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 -da, talk amongst yourselves. This is great content as I watch this process. Um, anyway, while this is processing in the background, guys, I, look, the, both, both of these players here, we're going to see two very similar players. Um, we're going to talk. I'm going to talk about some of their um, some of their strengths. Uh, Luis specifically, his positioning is brilliant as a, as a as defensive positioning and and his positioning, I suppose, even with regards to attack, is really really good. Um, he's got such solid defensive work. Even since he's come to Europe, you can see why teams wanted to have a have a crack off him and wanted to purchase him. And Betis did some great work getting in there on the ground floor with him because they can only get a profit on this guy. Um, and, uh, you know, his defensive work is really going to going to uh, draw some managers to him because he can get it going forward, but he's come to Europe and he's looked structured so far. And that is worth its weight in gold as well. Um, as I said, he's got great, he had great ball progressions and great progressive abilities, specifically with ball carries and also the sharp passing as well that he had uh, before he came to Europe. We haven't seen as much of that in the first 12 or 14 games that he's played for Betis, albeit that he did have a breakout game not so long ago, I think, where he had where he might have scored two goals. So maybe they're trying to introduce him and let him off the leash a small bit more as he gets used to the league as well. And um, because he's a really, really good dribbler. And I have my correct slides up here now with uh, spelling mistakes rectified, I hope. Um, anyway, let's take a look at these two guys side by side. So I've changed up my... Um, Changed up my my uh, stat board here slightly because I wanted to take a look at them side by side here. So we can see that Nico Williams on the left hand side there. He's five foot ten and a half. He's right footed, and he's twenty going on twenty one years of age soon. I put him down there as a winger or a wide forward. Probably probably should have put in their wide midfielder more so than a wide forward. He's a progressive player. He's actually played in central midfield for for Bilbao at times this season but more so realistically he is played out there on the right hand side and you can see his uh, current market value is 25 million pounds with the the heat map at the bottom there you can see that he does have a tranche of red over there on that left hand side for spain he's been utilized on the left hand side whenever he's been brought in but as you can see he's a very high pressing and high act highly active uh, get to the byline type of uh, type of winger um whips it in with his right foot and he also attacks that box as well um, so you can you can kind of see with his with his um, his heat map there. It does tell an awful lot about how he plays. We'll take a look at their statistics in a moment. But before that, I'm going to pull over here to um, to Luis Enrique. Um, he is uh, six foot, uh, left footed, uh, plays on the right hand side, and he is 22 years of age. Just gone 22 years of age. So there's about there's about a year and a bit uh, in the difference between the guys. Uh, you know, it's a year and what year and six months, 18 months between the two of them. So um, they're more, more or less in, in around the same ballpark. Uh, Luis Enrique plays uh, more as a winger. He has played up as a centre forward um, sparingly. Now I'm talking sparingly here, uh, playing as a centre forward. But he is mostly a winger and a right-sided winger as well. Now, I have to ask the question. If Amatir Ganduzi does come into Aston Villa Football Club, that's the position I would expect him to play. Is that right-sided midfielder or that right-sided winger? Um, so with the links to the, these two guys, just it just has me thinking: are these are these guys backup 
are these guys complementary? Are we thinking about maybe moving over, moving one of them over into the left hand side? Obviously, Nico Williams has played on the left hand side. You'd imagine that uh, that Luis being um, being a left footed player could play on the left hand side as well. You know, so it's interesting. It's something to think about there. But um, and it is definitely something to think about. And maybe it could be one or the other type of situation. But I don't know. Um, Looking at looking at the statistics there, you can see that uh, Luis uh, Enrique um, it comes out on top in the defensive statistics, and and that's something to keep an eye on because I think you, you see the work that uh, you see the work that Buendia likes to do. Buendia likes to do tons and tons and tons of work, um, and maybe he doesn't get in the ball enough and people are questioning him. And I think he's very much been played out of position, obviously over on that left-hand side, Jacob Ramsey came in and has played over on that left-hand side as well. Um, when he's been here and he likes to do a lot of defensive work. And for me, Luis, Luis Enrique he does a ton of it. And when you watch him play for Betis, you see him, he's so disciplined. He's so structured in how he gets up and down that field and how he, how, if he commits, he breaks his absolute backside to get back and to and to get back into position. Now, like when when you watch him, it's just it's it's impressive how well he does that. You see the amount of tackles he has here. He has uh, tons and tons of tackles. Like you see him there. He's he's one of the top tacklers of all wingers in the whole of Europe, Europe Europe's top five leagues, and he's only played a handful of games in the league so far. So he's not afraid to put in work. And I have to say that I would imagine Una Emery would be really enamored by that. If you can get that in a, in a wing in a wing player or a wide midfielder or in this as I say in this instance a winger, that along with being able to progress him into what he was able to do with Fluminense with regards to his ball carrying ability uh, and so on, there could be a really really good European type player in there. Oh, and, and the reason I say that is because, um, you know when you get when you bring players over from from South America you kind of have to work on their mindset with regards to fitting into the European game as much as you need to need to work on their ability. And one of the, ob the obvious thing is the, the obvious mindset pieces, you know, you look at players like Robinho, all the talent in the world. Robinho was an absolute sparkling footballer, but would he track back? Maybe didn't really buy into that side of the game, specifically when he came to Europe as a young player, probably because he went to big team with big aspirations and they only needed him to do one job. And I think that, with the managerial, with, with the manager that he has at the moment, that, you know, being at Betis, he's not going to be allowed to do that. You know, he's not going to be led away with doing that. And I think that it's been, it's been a harsh learning curve for him over the course of the last, uh, last six months since he's been in, um, in European football, but you can see it. It's borne out by the defensive stats. Yes. The passing stats aren't there, but you can see that this guy is trying to do the right thing more often than not. And he's learning to play within structure. Um, and when we even look at his passing statistics there, He's uh he's his passing statistics are you know while they're some of those numbers are poor they're you know they're 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 just as equal to Nico Williams so these guys are young players they're playing in structure and they're beginning to learn their way but they have all the potential in the world so you know I often come in here and I spout about statistics and I say this that and the other about them and yes you can you can read into those when you've got a body of work from players these two guys have a short a small sample set there's a shallow pool of of statistical um 
knowledge when you look at them. So you just have to look, have to watch them play. And yes, I'm like I've I've only watched a small bit of these guys, but you can see when it when it jumps off the page. You know, you look at White Scout and you see see them dribble with the ball. Maybe you watch 15, 20 minutes of their dribbling ability, and you go, yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty, you know, they they have a way of dribbling with the ball. Like Nico Williams, lo- Nico Williams loves to spread the play. I mean, he loves to get as wide as he possibly can. He loves to make sure that fullback is is isolated one on one out by the touchline. So he has a trick in him. He step overs. He's lightning quick. Uh, Henrique at the other side of at the other side. He's more of a measured strike, measured uh, winger. What I mean by that is he has pace, but um, he's somebody who's a bit more. I don't want to say a team player, but you know, you you kind of get this feeling from him that he he's positioning the way he where he goes in behind players. He's more of that of a, that type of a winger. While albeit you know also does have a, a trick a trick in him as well. He doesn't rely on that trick if that makes sense. Uh, he can use his um. His, he, he can he can use his positional sense and his reading in the game to get into position. Um, with Nico Williams, he's very much a pace and power uh, type runner, trick trickery guy, and uh, you know defenders hate hate having one on ones with Nico Williams because he's just got that bit about him when you watch him play. It's really really interesting. And when we look at their at their possession stats there as well, we can see it. You know, they're very similar with regards to their dribbles completed. Their dribble success rate is very, very similar as well. And the amount of touches they have within the game. And remember as well that these guys are given a job to dribble the ball, you know, Um, but and you're not always going to be successful with that. You know, you're not always going to be, specifically when you're a young player. Um, And I'm I'm not too down on those numbers. I'm not because, remember, we've got a 20-year-old guy, soon to be 21, we've got a 22-year-old guy, and... They're both learning their way, specifically Enrique within the league. Um, and when we look, you know, as I say, it's it's they're they're very similar players from from that possession stat point of view. You just look down through those numbers; they're very, very, very similar. You know, they haven't been fed an awful lot of the ball. Like Nico Williams, being in that Bilbao team, probably has more of the smarts from the point of view of European football. Number one, and secondly, you know, he's grown up within that Bilbao team, so he knows what way they want to play. Obviously, his brother is there as well. You know, Iker Munyain, those guys are there. You know, there's there's big players that have just been around the club forever. There's no um, questioning what their DNA of that club is, what their identity is. You know, to come into that might be a small bit easier than somebody who's just come on a plane from Brazil over to over to Spain and uh, albeit working for one of the more one of the wilier and smarter managers in 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 Europe, he's beginning to learn his way. So these two guys are are are, are quite comparable and what. If there is any truth in the fact that we bid for the bid for Williams and look to want to bid for Enrique, and um, then um, then it, it does paint a picture of a type of a winger that the Unai Emery wants. He wants somebody who can who is a bit raw in his way, where he can run at defenders. Somebody who's got good positional and somebody who is very good at, in defense as well, who can do a bit of defensive tracking back too. Let's take a little look at some of your comments. And where are we? Yeah. Uh, so David asks, what's happening with Dembele? I, I don't know uh, is the answer. Um, there's a lot of mixed messaging there coming from some reporters. Some reporters say we don't want we don't want to pay any money for him. That could be a ploy. Uh, I know that Leon were looking at potentially, potentially ripping up his contract. 
if they can find the right player, they're they're mass they're, they're in the market for South American players. One whose name escapes my mind. I think the other one is Joe Gomez, the guy Wolves were trying to sign. They're pushing really hard to sign him. I know Bruno Sharu um was I, I just read today that Bruno Sharu was uh, was actually in Brazil trying to entice him to Leon and that they were looking at a striker as well from, from South America. And I would imagine if they do get a striker, like there was talks that they were there was just going to be no contract negotiations between Dembele and Leon, and that Leon were going to say, "Okay, well, if we can save in your wages and we can just mutually contract, uh, mutually dissolve your contract, well, then we will do that." And uh, maybe Villa are, are waiting until the last minute to see if that happens instead of spending the two or three or four million. For me, that's risky business. Uh, you just go in, you send, spend the three million if you want the player, but I don't know what's going to happen with them at all. Um. Uh, 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 where are we? Um, yeah, could you imagine that, Bruce? Could you imagine if Villa were only allowed to sign Midlands-born players like um, like ba- like Bilbao in Basque team? That's mad. That would be mad. Um, I wonder if anybody is uh, is at a loose end. Tweet me on what the best Midlands-born team from the Premier League at this moment in time currently playing in the Premier League would be because that would be an interesting team. That would be actually, well, oh no, I won't even say that. I was going to say it would be an interesting concept if you had an, a post-season kind of All-Stars tournament with uh, those with the regions of of the UK where you only have players from those regions put together in 11s and, uh, and, and, and they played each other over a weekend or something like that, maybe 15 minutes aside or 20 minutes aside so it isn't too taxing. And maybe I'm onto something there. Maybe I'm onto something. Um... Mark Wayne says, Weston McGinney turned down Villa but prepared to go to Leeds. Can I think it's the Tyler Adams connection? I, I, don't, I don't know. Did he turn down Aston Villa? Um, I suppose we will see. But uh, looks like he is on his way to Leeds and that will make three American uh, defenders, uh, USA def- or USA midfielders, should I say, in that midfield. Um, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, Bruce says, again, just sign all these players and 10-year contracts. That's going to be outlawed from now. It won't. It won't affect FFP, it seems, from UEFA. UEFA are going to cap it at five years now. Um, John says, well, Matt Parker says, first, Delefeo and Gunduzi for me, possibly a striker too. I'm, I've cooled very much in the Delefeo piece. It seems he's re-injured his knee again. He did have a knee injury. He was coming back from that knee injury only lasted 13 minutes at the weekend. So I would imagine the Delefeo piece might be shelved for the moment. Um, unless there is good news on his knee. And John Steele says, I think 35 for Guendouzi is good business for January for a player who knows the league. Absolutely. I I, I think I think everybody, well, I think at Villa Park, if they got Guendouzi and a strike green, I think they'd be happy. I think the winger would be the icing on the cake um, for Unai Emery. And it would be opportunity cost signing, I think, for that as well. Um yeah, a good point here from from uh, Rich. He says, owners uh, have the ambition and total confidence in Emery. You can tell from that bid for Nico. Yeah, if 100%, that's one thing that I thought as well. If there is truth in that 45 million valuation um, being met for Nico Williams, well, then that just shows there is business being being uh, meant, I suppose, by this uh, transfer team as well. Um, where are we? Uh, yeah, and Richie, I think I'd have to agree with this as well. Nico Williams is improving, but definite potential in development. I think that's that's my view on Nico Williams. I, I think uh, Luis, Luis Enrique is probably, I think he's a bit more fully formed player. But there's just like, you just see there's, there's, there's like, there's, there's stardust in Nico Williams boots if he gets going. You know, 
um, all the potential in the world. And I know the Spain setup were super, super um, enamored by him because there was talks that he was going to defect and go to Ghana as well, like his brother Iñaki did as well. So um, they, they capped him essentially and uh that i think I'm, I'm almost certain he went to the world cup as well actually he did go to the world cup yeah so uh he's made the 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 um the grade for spain inaki williams did make the the uh, grade for spain but he i think he'd only played um friendly games and he was therefore he was allowed to change to switch allegiances to ghana as well so um there is definitely something about nico williams nico williams would turn heads in europe if we signed him there would be European, it would turn heads in Europe if, if you came to Aston Villa um, because there is that much thought about him. Um, where else are we? Uh, um, let me just see there. Yeah, this is a good, this is an interesting one here. Emery is ex- is respected worldwide um, and really big in Europe. Remember we spoke about, about the Steven Gerrard effect in... in Getting likes of Coutinho and 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 probably Dina to the club, um, there's there's a different kind of aspect that I think with Unai Emery. Unai Emery, there is I, I would imagine you know as we start to pull up the table, you know we get a result against Leicester after the after the little break that we have with the FA Cup, maybe we pull out a draw against Arsenal or against Man City, we start to move up that table, get into the top half. Albeit the transfer window will be closed at that at that stage, you know. There will be a bit of chatter about Aston Villa if we start to move up the table because it's um because it's it's a uh, it's so night and day from when Steven Gerrard was here. So night and day, you know? Um and and it's all because of Una Emery, because we have the same players. He's utilizing them better and he's utilizing a different structure and he, he's been smarter about how he sets up the team. So that can only bode well for the for the prospect of, of enticing players to come to the club with Unai Emery as well. David Tomeski says, Neil, mate, you said earlier that these would play a wide midfielder role, and I don't think that's true. If you look at the King article, it says Emery wants to add a striker this window. Yeah, I, I, I meant kind of a winger. Uh, neither of these two players would play a striker for us, uh, I would say. Um, the reason I said about it, it was actually about Nico Williams. I said more so the wide midfielder for, I think, for Rico Williams because he has played in the midfield in that wide midfielder, almost a central midfielder position for Bilbao, only be it very sparingly. Um, and Henrique has played uh, has played up top a small little bit as a, as, as a centre forward, but mostly has been uh, on that right wing as well. So sorry, if I did say that they would play the wide midfielder role, I misspoke. I meant the winger role. So uh, apologies about that. O asks what SCA and GCA. SCA is shock-creating actions and GCA is goal-creating actions. Yeah, shock-creating actions and goal-creating actions. Um, yep, so that's what they mean. Um, David Healy, thank you so much. Excellent non-stop content. Enjoy a couple on me, chap. I really appreciate that, man. That's th- Thank you so much. I, I really appreciate that. Um uh pete smith peter sorry peter sorry i've got i know another guy called pete smith so apologies if if no one calls you pete and you prefer peter and so peter smith says i'm getting a bit stressed that they keep turning us down i think felix made a mistake choosing chelsea they're becoming a real mess of a club i i I don't think joe felix ever had the chance to turn us down i i I think we probably explored and we backed away um, I don't think there's any way we would have paid 11 million for a loan, and I don't think we would have paid anywhere near the 80, 90 million they wanted to sign him. Um, I, but, uh, and the Nico Williams thing, uh, as I say, 
I can see why he turned us down. It's kind of like if you were if you're playing for your local team, like there's such a colloquial local feel to Bilbao that he probably feels like he is he's married to that until the summer, so he doesn't want to leave them in the lurch, I suppose. Because it's so difficult to get players into Bilbao, because of their their transfer strategy being so strict with regards to Basque heritage, and and, and I'm almost certain it's still somewhere like that at the moment. I think maybe they, they can sign one or two players out that don't have Basque heritage, um, but because you have to essentially have to come from that uh, a, a Basque bloodline at some stage, or have some Basque heritage, I think that probably bears into a lot of the thinking um with regards to um to, to his his choice to stay uh for that um ba, ba, ba. Uh, Aston Villa Arab chair fan uh, says, I don't understand why there's not a scout at the club who only focuses on players whose contracts are six months or less and able to get them freeze like Kamara would save a fortune on trying. I, I'd, I'd imagine there is. I, I'd imagine I'd imagine that there is definitely a dossier on those types of players. Um, I think what it is is, you know, not even going to say bidding wars, but I think it is, is like you really have to muscle your way to the top of the queue. Um, you'll notice as well, Teams like Paris Paris Saint Germain, um, Barcelona, they've started to, to snap up players uh, with only six months left in their contract, or or even with their their contracts are are winding down. I think a lot of bigger clubs are beginning to sniff that as a way to get maybe older, more experienced players. You don't tend to see an awful lot. Like Camara really was kind of unicorn in his way. The fact he was only twenty one and his contract was winding down, and we we got him on a free. I don't think many people like there. There's incredulity, incredulity. I think is the word around Europe that we would uh, that we would have um, gotten that done, and people can't understand how we got it done before. So maybe we we do spring surprises like that. But I I, I don't know. I'd like to see if there was some sort of statistic about how many players um, let their contracts run down. I suppose between the ages of. 21 how many top players would leave their contracts run down between the ages of 21 and 24 because clubs usually sign them up and then at least get something for them in in january and i think marseille probably wish they could have last january back so they could get maybe 10 15 million for him then um albeit they did finish high up in the league and get uh get european football so maybe that is a, a give and take situation from that um Right, let's take a look and see what else is there. Uh, da, 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 da. Uh, Richard Edwards asks, "Who wanted Duran? I, I've, I've, I've only seen that Unai Emery wanted to sign him at Villarreal and that he made a big play for it. But then again, you see that the club have spent six months scouting him, um, in, in, uh, in, in America, uh, for Chicago Fire. So I don't know. I don't know. I just wanted to come in here and absolutely." Bang in a million goals for Aston Villa and uh, anything less than a million and I'd be disappointed. But I must say, what a lovely look. We've had Luis Miguel Echegaray on the podcast previously and he's often lamented the fact that Aston Villa don't do enough uh, for the, I suppose, the Spanish-speaking world, the amount of people that speak Spanish, um, also, you know, Portuguese-speaking and stuff like that, the fact that we've got Brazilian players and the team. And I have to say, Aston Villa did such a good job with the Juan Pablo Angel. Uh, what's it called? Titan Tran, whatever you want to call it. Uh, that I thought that was absolutely brilliant. And you know what? 
his speech was brilliant too. His speech was so full of pride. Mm. It was so full of um it was it was it was full of it was full of I actually genuinely found it was full of full of love and full of uh, appreciation for for the way we took him into the club. Uh maybe not the way we took him into the club, but the way that the fans took him to heart at the club. And uh that was nice to hear from a former player and it was nice to see and, and as I say, that speech actually got me a small bit. Uh it got the hairs standing up in the back of my back of my neck, albeit I was only reading this, the the subtitles. So well done, Aston Villa Football Club. You know, I know that we much malign sometimes their social media content. I think they got this one absolutely spot on, and I think it was uh I think it was an absolute slam. I think it was a home run for 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 Spanish content, and I wish that they would do more of it. And uh, you know, it opens up different markets for sure. Specifically, even in the United States, uh, the amount of Spanish speaking people in the United States. You know, you want to get big in the US. The game is growing there. Well, then have a, have a a Spanish contingent or a Spanish uh, offshoot to your your social media site, and and that's one way to to really win the hearts because a lot of the big areas that are beginning to to grow football uh, in the United States, such as you know down in Florida and so so on. They do have a lot of expat community from Spanish-speaking countries as well, and um, I think that that would be. I agree with Luis when he says that 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 would be a small thing that they could do that could have a massive impact within their the their um their footprint within world football. So, I think, guys, that's going to do it. We've been we've had two podcasts tonight. Uh, just to kind of circle back on the two lads we spoke about there, uh, Nico Williams and Luis Enrique. Um, as I said. I the as the the podcast is called I said really question mark after it is because it took a lot for me to process that we bid 45 million first of all and then secondly you know uh, hot and heels from that they were talking about 60 million euros and I know every team is going to over inflate the price of their player it becomes a bargaining chip and then you meet somewhere in the middle somewhere along the line that's usually what happens unless the team absolutely holds out for this the Luis Enrique one for me as well is is just a it's a, it, it's a, it's a, I just can't understand how a team would buy a player, integrate him into his, into their system and sell him four or five months later. I find that difficult to believe that they're going to sell him. But once again, money talks. And uh, if the money is right, I would imagine that they would entertain it. But both players, as I say, they're raw. They're, but they ha- they're raw, they're really highly thought of. They've got good defensive structure. Nico Williams has a real good turn of pace on him, has a real good trick. Uh, Luis, Luis uh, Henrique has, has more of a, a defensive structure about him. His positioning is very good. He is pacey. He gets uh, he can get around defenders with his positioning as well. He gets to the byline and, and, and likes to try and cross it in. But uh, both players, young, highly thought of, and they're both interesting looks. And if they are somebody that Uda Emery does like, well, then we're beginning to see a picture be painted of the type of winger that he wants. He needs to be hardworking, who can do their job in both both phases of play and through the transitions as well. So let's see what happens on this one. Thanks so much, everybody, for watching. Thanks so much, everybody, for listening. Really appreciate you all. Anything drops in the coming days, I will be back again. So until then, until then stay safe, stay healthy, and all that's left to say is up the villa. Podcast Network.